0: Well good morning everyone and welcome. I'll add my welcome. I'm not Pastor Luke. Uh, If I haven't met you I'm David Peace, one of the elders here at the church along with Scott and Luke. And uh, we're getting ready for the, uh, we'll call it the summer schedule as we will have some goings and comings. Uh, And although Pastor Luke is here today we're going to do communion but this will allow him to uh, as Scott mentioned, attends uh, a workshop, and then next week he'll be back to preach. Scott will preach the following week because of a conference or some education uh, that, that Pastor Luke's involved in. And then we start the summer, so uh, we'll keep you informed. But uh, I'm glad you're here. And uh, I have the, the privilege of bringing a message today, and it's one that's uh, motivated um, by a number of different circumstances that I'm facing or watching others face right now. Um, We all know that life is tough. It can be. But usually, because of our teaching, with enough preparation uh, and hard work and effort and study, we can succeed. But the problem is that preparation and effort and perseverance and all of those kinds of things that we're taught uh, those things don't always work. And as focused as we are on the value of good preparation and hard work, it's hard for us, I know it is for me, to admit that sometimes we just don't have an answer for a problem or a challenge that we face. Now, we're going to do a bit of history today, uh, talking about one of the kings of Israel. it has been a favorite of mine, so I was probably drawn to this scripture. This is King, King Jehoshaphat. He was one of the good kings of Israel. If you follow the history of Israel, you know that we've got good kings and bad kings, mostly bad kings, and it just seems that they're constantly stubbing their toe. None of them are perfect. Nobody is. Jehoshaphat was one of the relatively good ones, though. But he faced guilt. he faced difficulty, and ultimately he faced an impossible situation. It doesn't mean he didn't work hard or prepare or get the right degree in college or... Um, come from the right family. In fact, he came from another one of the good kings. We'll talk about him in just a second. But part of, in part of his, his reign, he faced an impossible situation. There came a day when even he had to admit that he didn't know what to do, and he blatantly says that to his people. Well, you and I face the same kinds of things. Maybe not exactly what Jehoshaphat faced. You'll see in a moment that this is a military conflict that he was going through, and I don't think that Often we are involved in those things, although, although maybe we are. But as you'll see, we, we can analogize to this situation and see that we also face the uncertain times, the impossible times, where we really don't know the answer. And I hope that that resonates with you. It does with me as I read through this story. Now, let me read just a bit of the history, and then we'll pray for, to, for God to, to bless this time. This begins at the, uh, the beginning of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Eden, from beyond the sea, and behold, they are in Hazazen Tamar, that is, in Jedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah, And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord, before the new court. And he said, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and have built for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and save." And now behold, the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy, behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them, for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, speak to each one of us as we consider the times when we don't know the answer. Be our God. Lead us. Give us confidence, knowing that your plan for us is perfect, even when in human terms we cannot always understand what it is we are to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in our lives, as I said before, we know that if we are properly prepared, we can handle about anything, right? After all, that's what I was taught as a kid. I'm sitting in a town that's full of people who are interested in education. Uh, Other people are... scholars, uh, people here are working in the working world, preparation is what it's all about. It doesn't matter what we're doing. I may be talking about your career, your family life, your schooling, everywhere we're taught, especially here in the United States, as we learn about the so-called American dream. We're taught that with hard work and preparation, we can attack a problem with enough zeal and preparation we can succeed. If we fail, well, well, it must be because we didn't prepare well enough. But unfortunately, life sometimes throws you a curveball. There are, in fact, problems that can't be solved. We all reach points like this at different times of life and for different reasons. It might be age or illness, some other kind of impossible challenge, some other person over which we have no control, over whom we have no control. If you haven't yet faced time like this in your life, just stay tuned. There are things about life that are uncertain and confusing. And we fa- when we face them, there are no answers, no manuals telling us the recipe for taking care of this problem or that. And it really bugs us, I know it does me, because I love being prepared. I love thinking ahead, anticipating the problem, getting ready, and then when it happens, I'm ready to make the move that I, that I need to make. But sometimes I can't. Have you been thinking in these first few moments today about a time that you might have faced an impossible situation? Maybe you're facing one to know. It might be a trip to a doctor or bad news from an employer or a professor about a job or a class. Maybe tragedy involving a family member. Ultimately, we face death and that's one of the unsolvable problems for us. Well, feeling totally unprepared, Jehoshaphat faced this invasion of an army so large that he had no way of dealing with it. In our text this morning, he faced this situation. It was an army, as I said, about to attack that by human standards had the manpower to overwhelm this small army of Judah. Jehoshaphat did not know what to do. His country was about to be annihilated. Now, it's not that there aren't other times in Jehoshaphat's ministry or ministry or kingdoms that were surrounding Jehoshaphat's where people were prepared and did work hard and did succeed. We have a couple of examples in the time period of Jehoshaphat's reign that were were good to talk about. An example of it is is, uh, Jehoshaphat's father, another one of the good kings, King Asa. He was one who was known for his preparation, for how he anticipated problems. He was a godly man, and he led his nation, and God rewarded him. We also, about the same time as this in our text today, have the story of the prophet Elijah, who you'll remember was uh, the prophet in the other kingdom, uh, the kingdom of of Israel, who uh, went uh, into conflict often with King Ahab, one of the real evil kings of israel's history and the example i'm thinking of is the time that uh, elijah elijah as the prophet challenged the prophets of baal to what amounted to a duel he said he said you've got hundreds and hundreds of prophets who can pray to your gods of baal and let's see who can bring fire down out of heaven and the prophets of baal prayed and they couldn't do it and elijah only one man Um, took the pile that was supposed to be set on fire, and he pours water on it over and over again to show the power of his God, and then he by himself prayed to God and fire came down. Here's an example of a guy who maybe didn't exactly know what to do, but he was bold as he did it, and he derived his strength from God, and he took a stand for God. Well, those are examples that happened in the, say, 100 years surrounding the story that we're looking at today. and and are worthy of a a talk by themselves, but today I want to look at Jehoshaphat, who was a, a guy who faced an impossible challenge. Let's look at a bit about him, first of all. Jehoshaphat, as I said, was one of the best. He was the son of Asa. He was the great, great grandson of Solomon. He served for 25 years as the king of Judah sometime around 850 B.C., During this period of Judah's history, we continue to see the difficult consequence of the division of David's kingdom, Israel, in the north and Judah in the south. This, however, that we're living in right now was a period of relative peace as between the two divided parts of what had been David's kingdom, Israel. Jehoshaphat began his reign by laying a very good foundation. He did a number of things. He prepared well. Think about it. In Second Chronicles 17, we read that he walked in the earlier ways with his father David. He did not seek the Baals, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat was passionate for God. In the same chapter 17 of Second Chronicles, we read that his heart was courageous in the ways of the Lord. And furthermore, he took the high places and the ashram out of Judah. Jehoshaphat did a couple of things, just to digress for a moment, in establishing the foundations of his kingdom that had to have had an impact on how things went while he was king. The first thing that he did is he led his people in Bible study. He led them to know God's word better. The second thing he did in his reign that may be why I am interested in him so much, being a lawyer, that's what my profession is, is he he, uh, um, he, uh, changed the judicial system. Of Israel, he he appointed new judges and he gave them very direct instructions to accept no bribes and to um, judge based upon their knowledge of God's word. Uh, and that had a lot to do with why internally things went well. Even his preparation, I should mention, in the spirit of full disclosure, even his preparation takes a a detour. Um, He didn't remove what they called the high places that was code for uh, bad sinful worship places that they had in Israel at that time. He also entered into an alliance with Ahab, the the evil king that I was talking about earlier, but basically throughout his reign he worked hard and he prepared and you would have thought that he was able to handle anything. Well, what happens here is the Moabites, Ammonites, and Munites came to attack him. These are not from within. These are from without. The third verse of chapter 20 says that Jehoshaphat was afraid. Illustrating that there are times when you can't rely upon your past preparation. You have to rely in a very spiritual sense upon God taking care of the situation, and that's called faith. So what did he do? Well, in verse 3 again, he he first personally resolves to inquire of the Lord. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord. So he goes to God. He then leads the nation in preparation. He led them in a fast, showing that when an unexpected crisis hits, a good thing to do is find a way of setting aside the complications of your life so that you can face the crisis, whatever it is that you don't have an answer for. And then he does what the 20th uh, chapter uh, describes in detail. He prays. He prays out loud. And in this prayer, we find the principles that I'd like to apply to our lives today. Before I read the prayer again, uh, look at verse 12. It's the end of the prayer, but it kind of shows what his mindset was. In verse 12 of chapter 20, he says, "Oh." Our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. He doesn't know what to do. Have you ever stopped to lead your family or your friends or your business in prayer before beginning a battle? Have you ever led the people who you care about replacing fear with faith? This is how Jehoshaphat did it. O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are power and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they have lived in it and built for you in a sanctuary in it a sanctuary for your name saying if disaster comes upon us the sword judgment or pestilence or famine we will stand before this house and before you for your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save and now behold the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir whom you would not let Israel invade when they came from the land of Egypt and whom they avoided and did not destroy behold they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not execute judgment on this great horde that is coming against us? We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now, in this prayer, we see Jehoshaphat doing four things. He acknowledges who God is. He acknowledges God's power. He reminds God, or really reminds himself and his people, of what God has already done. And then he acknowledges that he is powerless. He acknowledges that he can't do anything. And in response, I won't read the rest of the story, but I'll tell you that God solves the problem. God uh, causes the enemies to fight amongst themselves and tells the people of Judah, just stand back and do nothing because I'm gonna take care of this problem. Now, God's answers to prayer don't always happen that way. But this was an answer, and there are other ways God answers. In this case, they were told to do nothing. They did, and God took care of it. But I wanna just look for a second at the four different elements of this prayer and what Jehoshaphat did with his people and analogize to the times that we are unable to come up with an answer. First, he acknowledged who God was. This was not a God of Baal or one of the other of the many gods that were worshipped by the people in the, this area. This was the one true God. This was the God of Abraham who had done things for these people. That would have meant something. He acknowledged in the, pres- in, the, in, the, uh, in the presence of the people who he was praying to. He then acknowledged that this was not a weak God that he was praying to. The one true God, the author of all good things, the God of Abraham, was a powerful God and capable of doing anything he wanted to do with these people. He then, in what I think is an interesting technique, he has a conversation with God appearing to remind God that God has taken care of these kinds of problems in the past. Well, that's not really what he's doing. What he's doing is reminding himself and reminding his people that um, God is not just a powerful God, but he's a God who takes care of problems. It's kind of like... um, the way Moses addressed the people of uh, Israel after they had left Egypt and God is providing them with food and the people just won't accept the fact that God will provide for them they decide they want to go back into slavery if they could because it's a more comfortable kind of exist existence same thing is happening here as Jehoshaphat reminds himself and the people that God does take care of problems and has in the past and then finally He says, I'm powerless to deal with this situation. He acknowledges that. He doesn't pretend to have the answers. He doesn't say, let's uh, cast our lots and rely upon luck. He doesn't um, try to do a crash course in military strategy of what he can do when you're a really, really small army going up against a really, really big army. None of that stuff. He just acknowledges that I don't know the answer. And it, it reminds me of the passages in Philippians where we talk about how God's power is even more revealed during our times of weakness. And I think that happens not because God becomes more powerful when we are weak. It's more that his power is, um, is apparent to all who are looking at our weakness. So here we have Jehoshaphat acknowledging an inability to deal with this problem and and that just sets the stage for what god will do there's not going to be any doubt of who solved this problem and as i said god then solves the problem he delivers judah well in this case as i said god told israel not to fight he would deal with the situation and he did he caused judah's enemies to fight amongst themselves as i said and israel stood on the sideline and watched and i I think it's at this point that we have a really tough time applying this story to our lives. I know I do. Uh, It's hard for me to acknowledge that there is any difficulty out there that I'm incapable of addressing with just enough preparation or study or knowledge or authority, but definitely something that comes from me and not from God. I can't admit that there could be a situation like that. It contradicts my upbringing in which I was taught to work hard and study. It's a hard thing for me to accept until I face one of those situations that's unsolvable, an incurable illness, the death of a loved one, a relationship with a spouse or a child that we try to fix but can't, and ultimately, our physical death. Those are situations that I'm not capable of solving. And that's when God wants me to read the story of Jehoshaphat. Because I've been called to a life in Christ, and so have you. God wants that life to be fulfilling. And that doesn't mean that we're going to float through life without the ups and downs of our human existence. Elisha was an example of someone who was tested, another one of God's prophets. Um, Chances to stop what he was doing, but God pushed him and he continued on, growing as God had called him to grow. So, even for Christians, are you perhaps in a comfortable place and unwilling to continue in your growth? God took Jehoshaphat to a situation that was unexpected and frightening and uncertain. Are you in one of those times right now? Jehoshaphat could have chosen to fight, he could have chosen to turn away from God. He could have tried to strike up another friendship with Ahab, solved the problem by himself, but he said, no God, I will stand with you. So where are you in your walk with God? Is God asking you to replace fear with faith? Do you now face something that is unexpected or even if predictable, are you to the point where you need to say to God that you really don't know what to do? It's okay to say that, life's a mystery and you don't have all the answers. We need to learn to rely upon God, even when our tendency is to take things into our own hands. Isn't he the one true God? Doesn't he have the power to deal with what you're facing? Hasn't he dealt with difficult situations in the past, in your life and in the lives of others? And aren't you ultimately powerless to deal with the things that you're incapable of resolving? Doesn't it give you comfort to be able to admit that you just plain don't have all the answers? Well, When you think this way, that's when God wants wants to come further into your life. Let him deal with your life. You know, if you could see it or understand it, then it wouldn't be faith. And what blessings are waiting for you when you trust that God will deal with the situation? And then he does. Paul's letter to the Romans uh, that Rachel read deals with the same issue. Uh, as is often true with Paul, you can almost hear the question or the argument coming from his reader and then he answers the argument with with a lot of wisdom. Here we can imagine the Roman Christians saying to Paul, let's take matters into our own hands. Let's rely upon our own ingenuity and strength. How is it that we can trust that God will solve our problems? Paul says to them, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And then he goes on and says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The problem with that passage is that it's very difficult to acknowledge weakness. We say things to God like, are you really there? Prove it. Unfortunately, ultimately, you and I will face this question even if it's on our deathbed. And Paul is saying that we can't put God into a box believing, believing that he is constrained by the things that constrain us. No, that's our problem, but not God's, and he can do it all, and he loves you, and he loves me. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you, that we would be empowered to prepare and to understand and to appreciate your will and use the tools that you've given us as we wander through this world. But when it becomes impossible to deal with the challenges we face, I pray that you would give us the confidence to trust you, to know that you are God and that you are in charge and have power to overcome all difficulties. And even as we face troubling times, all the way through our earthly life, perhaps. Give us the confidence of knowing that, that we look forward to the hope of an eternity with you, our God, who is in control and who loves us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.